Hey, beautiful, and welcome back to Finally F and Happy. It's Shannon here. I am so sorry I was missing in action for the month of July, but I was taking some of my own best advice and I took a vacation to fill up my own tank. It was absolutely magical. I got to spend some time with my mom in California, and then my husband and I went up to Lake Placid, New York. Have you ever been there? It is super magical and beautiful. And I was really intentional about what affirmations I brought with me and what I was going to let go of and be really present for all that was good going on around me. And so if you haven't had an opportunity to take a break yet this summer, just because you've been working really hard, or maybe you have kids and they're home for the summer and it's really hard for you to get a break, whatever I can do to help you carve out that time for you, I am here for you, sister. But I am so glad to be back at the podcast back in the Facebook group and on Instagram because I am so passionate about helping you show up for you, which is why I'm so excited about today's interview because it is the perfect post-vacation dose of reality with a little bit of glitter and sparkle thrown right in. I bring you the strong and capable Bridgette Heller, and she is indeed the founder of the Strong and Capable podcast, community, website, an amazing collective of women knowing who they are, where they're going, and exactly how to get there. Her spirit, her beauty, her authenticity, her honesty, her humor shines through in today's interview. So let's dive right in. Hey, beautiful, and welcome to Finally Effin' Happy, a podcast and community for kick-ass can-do women who just happen to be living with some kind of chronic illness. My name is Shannon Clank, happiness coach and self-care strategist, and I also happen to be one of those kick-ass can-do women living with chronic illness. I am a self-proclaimed science of happiness junkie and certified professional life coach, passionate about helping women be kind to themselves. I believe that happiness is not a feeling that just magically appears out of thin air. And it is not actually about feeling happy all the time. Happiness is a place where all emotions are welcome. And it is a practice that you can cultivate and get really, really good at, no matter what's going on around you. In this podcast, I share tons of practical, real-life happiness hacks, self-care strategies, and bring you some of my most favorite guests to share their wisdom so that you too can ignite and enrich your own happiness. I am absolutely thrilled that you are here for today's episode. So with no further ado, let's dive right in. Hi, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I am so excited to get to spend some time with you. Me too. That is, that's a beautiful room. And I loved your social media post that you did when you showed you all building it. Yeah. I now, like to create. That you love to do? Yeah. I create when um, life is most chaotic is when I'm like, guess what? I'm going to rip out the carpet on the stairs <laughs> because when I create, it stills my mind. I mean, I have anxiety and so my mind is overactive all the time. So when I create, it calms down my brain right. and I can allow other thoughts to come in and come out and be become more of an observer than a judger. <laughs> you know, I don't have as much judgment for myself when I'm creating because things can just flow in and out. So I create when I'm most stressed. So I did this wall right before I had, I interviewed Heidi Stevens and Heather Chauvet on the podcast. I know it was so fabulous. Thank you. Uh, Heidi actually airs this week, but before that I was like, okay, I will not feel confident as a designer. I have an event business as a designer. If my wall is just white, I know myself. I like color. I like texture. This is part of who I am no matter what. And so, you know, that weekend, guess what? There you I'm go. stressed. Here we That's go. What you did. I <laughs> yeah. absolutely love it. I absolutely love it. Feel like it is always, always in life. That moment where you're like, I'm good. Don't need it. That you get the thing you've been seeking 
Isn't so it much, the truth? So long. Yeah. So the truth. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know we're going to talk a little bit about anxiety. I know we're going to talk a little about celiac and um, gluten intolerance. And I know that on my health journey, both of which include, which includes both of those as well. Um, you know, it is also that point when I finally let go of the thing that I think I have to have, which is certainty or knowing or the test results or certain foods in my refrigerator, like it could be big or little. Once I finally let it go, then it somehow appears. Mm-hmm. An amazing. It, it really is how it is. And I, and I was also laughing because my husband and I, when we met, had a, same, a similar thing where both independently we had said to our friends, we're done. We're good. We're over it. Don't need anybody. Just going to practice independence and self-love and compassion and happiness and all the things. And we met at a youth, it wasn't a youth church dance because we weren't youth. It was a single adult church dance. I was out of town. He was out of town. We happened to be in the same town visiting. He was visiting family. I was visiting friends and we met. And our first dance, I was a vocal performance major. I did not finish school as that but I was a vocal (laughs) performance major and guys would always ask me to sing they would hear that and they'd be like hey will you sing for me and I'm looking no right here not right now I thought it was so stupid for people to ask that and so I said I'm a vocal performance major I will not sing for you and he looked and he's like I did not ask you to (laughs) (laughs) and you were like and you are my man yes you I choose you (laughs) we were engaged after two and a half weeks of dating and married two months later and it's been 20 years this year. Oh, congratulations. I just love that. Love that, love that, love that. So beautiful. And so let's talk about that. Let's talk about, so you have your own journey around anxiety. You have your own journey, your own health journey. You have started this business, The Strong and the Capable. I love the name because I do, I feel like I'm strong and capable. (laughs) And I've worked hard to not only be strong and capable, but feel strong and capable. And doing that growing up in a family, in a marriage, in a relationship is a journey in and of itself. So how about we just take a step back and tell me a little bit about your journey to the strong and the capable. Oh, I feel like the strong and the capable is the culmination of my life up to this mm-hmm. point. I feel like so many things brought me here. And I had anxiety as a child and didn't know it. It's very common. It's just as common for someone to have it as a child as when they get older. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, just my mom was very much a just do it, just fight through it. My dad came from cowboy life, farm life. And so you just get on the horse again and go. And so I just learned to power through the anxiety, not necessarily saying that's healthy, but it's what I learned to do. And eventually those things catch up with you, right? If you don't deal with them, they catch up with you. So after having my first baby, I hit postpartum depression really bad. It was very scary. I knew I was not happy. I knew that I didn't even care what happened to my child at times. And if she fell off the second story floor, because I remember holding her and thinking, if I drop you, what would happen? And yeah. like not caring. There was no so emotion attached with it. Yeah. And I understood that wasn't healthy. So I remember physically stepping back and thinking, there might be something more happening here. There might be something going on. Mm-hmm. But we were broke. He, my husband was working two jobs, going to school, and we had one car. So I stuck at home just me and the baby in Mm. the middle of the winter. You and the baby and your own thoughts in your own Uh head through the middle of winter. Very scary place to be. (laughs) Like the worst. I call them the dark days because they were literally dark in every way. It was winter. It was dark. And my house was dark and my mind and heart were dark and everything was dark. So I had my second baby. He shows up. Apparently we didn't know what we were doing because First and second were a surprise. <laughs> the I second didn't one, know what you were doing? What are the other? <laughs> like the second one, I end up pregnant, and she's not even a year old, and I was so scared because I knew I had just barely, maybe, felt human again. I had just come out of it, which is very common. It's like six to ten months for mm. postpartum depression. And I, I looked at my family and said, I think I had postpartum depression, and I'm scared. And my mom looked at me and says, Oh yeah, you did. Like, what? Uh, no one ever said, hey, Bridget. you know, and, and I think part of that's generational. 
20 years ago, my daughter, my oldest daughter is turning 18 this year. We didn't talk about that stuff as much as we do now. So baby number two comes, depression comes again. Thankfully, you talk about divine intervention. I feel like this was my divine intervention moment. I had a good friend who said, Brigitte, I'm having a class in my basement and you should totally come. (laughs) And I was like, that's weird. But I'm desperate at this point to get out of my dark house and I will come to the class in your basement and hope I don't get kidnapped and stolen for the rest of my life. You know, Because <laughs> that hey, sounds really weird. Right? Kind of sounds weird. And I thought, I don't even know if her basement's finished right now, you know, because <laughs> right, that's like right. the stage of life. We we're all young parents in that, in that neighborhood and it was a new development. Anyway, I went and the teacher changed my life forever. Her name was Kathleen Wilson and she talked about thoughts. Mm-hmm. and how your mind works and how mm-hmm. your body chemistry works and that we can tap into those thoughts and hear what's happening and that we have the power to rewrite the thoughts and change our life. Mm-hmm. So and powerful. So powerful. This was 20 years ago. So it was revolutionary, right? right. Back then, sure. especially. Nice There's not a lot of people that were teaching this or even thinking about it. And it changed my life because I was coming out of a second postpartum and I was able to take my own thoughts. And within two weeks, see my kids were happier. I was happier. They weren't driving me crazy every second of the day. And the days were dark, but they weren't as dark. There could be joy there. There could be happiness. And it made me aware that I had been dealing with depression and anxiety my entire life and Mm -hmm. didn't know it. You know, so I often tell my audience, because the strong and capable, the foundation is knowing who you are, where you're going and how to get there. That's our base of our foundation of everything we do. Mm -hmm. And I always say I can teach that because I've lost myself probably a hundred times. Every time a bout of anxiety comes, every time a bout of depression comes, I lose myself and I have to crawl out of that hole and find myself again. And it is hard and exhausting, but I've learned that true strength is knowing how to push, how to pull, when to go, when to stop, when to say yes, when to say no when, how to keep yourself full instead of emptying your reserve every single time, which I still struggle with (laughs) for the record, very human here. (laughs) Yeah. But um, just this week I was driving, my daughter graduated and I gave everything, everything, because I just wanted to celebrate her so much. And I was driving with tears running down my eyes because I was empty. And I thought, oh, you did it again. You did it again, you know? And so I'm still very much learning these things as I grow but I know now the tools to get out of it. I know how to find myself again. And I know how it feels to be fully in myself. And it's magical. And it's something I'm seeking to stay in more often than not now versus when I was younger, I didn't know. So I just lived in that depressive, anxiety-ridden place. And it was horrible. Right. Well, and I think that's part of why we're two peas in a pod. I mean, you just named it. So my physical condition, which is a primary immunodeficiency disorder, which means I have significant chunks of my immune system that just don't exist, Mm -hmm. was not properly diagnosed until I was about 40, which means that up until 40, I really had internalized at a deeply cellular level that this was all somehow my fault, Mm -hmm. right? That I didn't eat right or sleep right or exercise right. If one more person told me, you just, you know, it's really stress is a trigger, right? I was going to pull my best Charlize Theron and say, call me crazy one more time. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll rip your head off. Um, But this, this real internalizing of, and I had done so much mindset work. I mean, so much mindset work but then even was able to shame myself into, Mm. well, you can't, you're not successfully thinking your way healthy. So you must be attracting this somehow. Like, so now even at another level, it was my fault. And once I got properly diagnosed and had a whole additional set of tools in my toolbox I could now take all those mindset tools, which are very helpful tools in the right proportion Mm -hmm. and time, but with also this healthcare piece. And what you said is so important for this audience as well, because we do this dance. I just did it this morning. I've been waking up the last three weeks feeling like there's concrete in every single joint. I've got a slight headache. Um, 
I really, I sort of had a sugar fest there for about three weeks. So that's a component of it. <laughs> um, all that said, sugar aside, you know, this balance between I know when to push and move me forward to keep moving. I will literally sing foot one foot in front of the other as I'm getting going in my day. Or sometimes it's the opposite. I need to listen and rest and stop. And it's a, it's a dance. It's a fine balance in this world that we live in. And so many thoughts and personal, it's like, where to even start with that? Um, you know, so when I get stressed out, um, I have herniated discs in my back and they're not even herniated. They're actually almost blown because I had a disabled sister and I took care of her growing up and she was 18 months younger than me. She was my same size. So lifting someone your same weight all growing up and not doing it properly really messes up your back. Sure. And I gloried in my younger years being the strongest woman in the, the room. My understanding of strong back then was very different, right? Mm-hmm. It was the strongest person in the room, the person that could keep going, that could fight through, that didn't bend, you know, all the world's view of the strong right now is yeah. how I viewed it. And that's, one of the reasons I'm so thankful for this journey is I know true strength isn't that anymore. True strength yeah. really is, like you said, knowing when to stop, knowing when to push, but when to lay in bed and allow yourself grace. So when I get stressed, my blown discs really act up. And as I mentioned, I allowed my well, my cup, my whatever you want to call it to totally empty this mm. last couple of weeks. And I shouldn't have, I did. And then, you know, you always do it because it's like in my mind, it was out of love for my daughter, right? So we always do it for noble reasons, just like a villain does, but that doesn't <laughs> actually make them the hero at the end of the day when they're messed up and have destroyed the world, right? So, right. <laughs> I love that analogy. Well, that's the right. the podcast this month. That's what we're talking about, heroes and villains. So it's all- All in your head, in heroes mind, and villains. Right? I have them right in my head, right? I got a hero here and a villain here and they're working that out together. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. That's what we're talking about is how do you become the hero of your own story? And what does that actually look like? Since life is not lived in extremes, it's lived in the middle. Mm -hmm. So right when we're giving ourselves Mm -hmm. this grace. So my husband says to me last night, I would like to invite you to work out with me in the morning. And I was like, that's so sweet. No. (laughs) And my, my husband is amazing. I love him so much. And he puts up with a lot. So I know he's an, he's a keeper because he puts up with me, but, um, and loves it. He doesn't just put up with it. He loves it. But, uh, I said, my, my back's still recovering. And I know right now, if I go with you in the morning that while that seems like a beautiful idea and a good thing for our relationship, it will make my back worse. And then it will set, it actually hurts our relationship because now the next three days I'll be complaining about my back and on ice and hurting, but give me two more days of rest and I'll be there with you. Give me two more days to recover. And I can feel I'm on the edge of it. I can feel I'm on the edge. So it's, you know, really boundaries. Mm-hmm. I hate it because therapists always talk about boundaries. They're like, I hate boundaries. They're hard. They make people upset, but knowing how to honestly talk about your boundaries is probably the number one thing that helps me. When I'm struggling, the the number one tool in the tool belt, like you said, is those boundaries and then allowing things I love into my life. I think when you're suffering in any way, especially long-term, we tend to start denying ourselves the things we love. And it it usually happens like for us, my son had celiac disease. You're talking about gluten intolerance and celiac disease. And so medical bills for him and getting him diagnosed and the emotional trial of that whole thing, which went on for years. It usually takes four to eight years for someone to get diagnosed with celiac disease. And so the years and years of going through this. So that's expensive. And so I start denying myself things out of, again, I'm being the hero, right? I'm helping everybody because I won't buy the candle I love. And candles are goofy, but for me, smells, it's a sensory thing. And it's a huge tool in my tool belt. Well, I put away the tool thinking I would be able to help others. But it was one of the tools we needed mm-hmm. is me healthy, mm-hmm. you know? So anyway, I've started allowing myself to buy, you can see it burning behind me, my favorite yeah. candle again. And I'm a lot happier. And yeah. when mom's happy or the caretaker's happy, things are better. Right. So you got to keep your tool belts. You can't, you can't throw them away in service of others. It doesn't actually help the others. You might need them. Right. It doesn't actually help the others. And that's one of these pieces around 
um, you know, we talk about sometimes people who are control freaks or codependents, but I got to tell you, I often come across women in my community. They're actually not control freaks or perfectionists or codependents. They love loving on the people that they love. They just, it does fuel them until the point where it's no longer fueling them. Yeah. <laughs> it's sucking the very life force out of them. And finding that place where it is no longer fueling. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't need to, again, internalize or shame or take on anything that doesn't feel authentically mine around perfectionism or codependency or anything, but just, I do, I genuinely love and love and the people I love, but I also need to know where I need to say, I got to love on you later, or yeah. I got to take care of this first so that I can love on you later. Or is there a different way that's not as intense on me, labor intensive? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So uh, ironically, this daughter thing. So she graduated last week. She's my first. Again, I dumped too much in. Well, she went to camp this week, her last camp ever. Right. And they're going to Lake Powell and it's all exciting. And every year she's ever gone to camp, I have written her a note for every day she's gone and she opens it up and it's sweet. Well, she took off to camp. I'm a hero with ice on my back. I can hardly move. I'm like, I didn't write her notes. And she's a very sensitive soul. And it's what I've done her whole life. And she's going to be devastated and think Mm -hmm. I forgot her. And I'm over here with mom shame and guilt, right? And just feeling like the worst person. Because again, I've got anxiety. So I spiral and the world's catastrophic and falling apart with everything. I have to (laughs) reel it in, reel it in. And so I thought, oh my gosh, what can I do? And I text the leader who was with her. I said, can I text you each morning a note for Olivia? Can I do that? Yeah, that's not a problem. Okay. So now I can let it go. And honestly, it's not as labor intensive for me to send a text as it would have been to write a note and to hide them. I would have had to have stayed up till midnight because do it after she's asleep. So it's sneaky. So I think that's one of the things we do, especially as women, Mm -hmm. Um, we are givers and givers and givers, and we view it as noble, but then we put ourselves in a bad place. So if there's different ways we can find a way of doing it, that's okay too. And her leader was so cute. She texted me today. She said, your daughter said, oh, my mom forgot me. So my worst fear was realized. <laughs> and the sky didn't fall all at the same time. It didn't fall. And you know, her sweet leader said, she says, oh no, she didn't forget you. It's a new age. She found a new way of doing it. Oh, God bless I that leader. God I know. And I, I just texted her back crying emojis. Thank you so much <laughs> for seeing so. me yes. as a human, right? right. And yes. for allowing me that grace and supporting each other. And I think that's one of the things in the world we need the most mm-hmm. is to see each other oh. and validate each other mm-hmm. and support each other because we're all doing our best. Mm-hmm. And most mm-hmm. of us are throwing on tools on our tool belt as fast as we can, but we're trying to make up for a lot of years where we didn't have anything right. and it broke us in some way. Absolutely. And it takes time to heal. Yes. And some wounds never do. So we have to, I just think, give so much grace to each other and support each other. I'm so thankful for that woman. She's my hero today. Absolutely. She gets to be your hero today. And I'm Mm -hmm. so glad you have such a precious, beautiful hero in your life today for that part of your story. And, you know, I do feel like we're running around putting as many tools in our toolbox as we can. And one of the things that I spend a lot of time working on with my clients is rather than putting new tools in the toolbox, let's actually look at the tools you have and then see how you can actually implement them. Because it doesn't matter if I have a juice blender in my kitchen, if I never even use it, right? How do I use those tools that we have? Because we have so much knowing. I've just I I just, every conversation I have with the women that I connect with, whether they're on the podcast, whether they're coaching clients, whether they're my girlfriends, man, women are so wise. There's so Mm -hmm. much wisdom there. And how do we put that wisdom, get that wisdom into action? Because there's so much magic that happens in the action. And the action is sometimes outward action, yes. And the some t- action is sometimes mindset action. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's where this idea of new strategies comes in. 
I talked to, uh, I, in a former time in my life, in my healing journey, did a lot of work with Marshall Rosenberg and nonviolent communication, which today would probably just be called compassionate communication. It was born out of the 1960s, but today might be called compassionate communication. And he walks through a process where you identify your feelings Mm -hmm. and then you identify the needs in association with those feelings. And then the next piece that oftentimes I find missing in other programs I've connected with is then you connect with the divine in those needs. Like there's no judgment in the need. Yeah. And then let's brainstorm every wacky strategy we could have to meet that need. And it's amazing how these creative solutions come out of this little step-by-step process if I take the time to use it. Mm -hmm. And I can show up in these creative ways, like you texting your daughter instead of writing those letters, where that need to love on her still totally gets met. Mm -hmm. And it also meets your need of honoring your energetic capacity. And that's just such an incredibly beautiful, wonderful example. Thank you for sharing that. No problem. You know, it's interesting as you were talking, I was thinking about last night in my membership community, we were listing traits of heroes and villains. And one of the things we're talking about with a hero is that they are creative Mm. because they work with what they have. Like Mm -hmm. you were just saying, they look around and go, okay, what do we got here that we can actually work with? What do we actually already have? Or what resources do we know of that we could pull in? And it's not like, let's learn a new thing right now. It's what do we have? And let's make that efficient. Just like you were saying, and they're creative and they're compassionate. And as we were talking about heroes and villains, we came to realize, and this is where I was hoping the group would go. So I was so excited. It went there that so much of what creates a hero or villain is the desires of their hearts. Mm. And then what they do with it, do they see others and they're jealous and envious and frustrated that they don't have it? Or are they inspired and pulled toward and want to join up with. And you were talking about women and, you know, using the tools we have. I feel like if we want to be our best selves, if we want to be our little hero, because we do, we want to be whatever vision we're creating of ourselves, right? Right. And we call that perfection, but who knows what that even is? Normal perfection. We don't know what those actually are. I don't think they exist, but... (laughs) You know, we're trying for whatever version we've created of ourselves in our head. And if the desire, it becomes pure, if we allow ourselves to pause mm. and think about who we are and what resources we have and how we could do that, then I think it brings in a sense of compassion, self-compassion and kindness that allows us to do the things we want to do in the healthy way. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because we quickly become the hero or the villain of our own stories depending on where the condition of our heart is. And I can tell you, I often find myself as as that villain without realizing it because I'm desperate and desperation doesn't Mm. bring, desperation brings on backaches. That's what I've learned. Desperation tightens my whole body. Desperation makes me lash out in anger and frustration. And I think when you're not feeling good or in any way, whether it's autoimmune or emotional, you know, social, emotional place, whatever it is, you're not feeling good we have to really pause and be careful in those moments because that's usually our low moments and we don't make healthy decisions in our low moments and our empty moments. Right. So we have to fill ourselves a little bit and then reevaluate and then fill ourselves a little bit more and reevaluate and make our decisions from those places versus from the bottom of the well. Absolutely. I am a big fan of, I'm going to make a decision to not make a decision right now. that's a really big one for me. Um, When I am in one of those either physically, so part of my condition, I can just get knocked out for a day, for a week. I could be doing everything quote unquote right and still I'm out for the count for a little while, or it could be an energetic emotional, you know? So this whole thing of the last couple of week or so getting up and waking up in pain in the mornings and just really hard to get going, I can mentally go to a place of, see, it's all your fault because you had that sugar fest and you did this, 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 this. let me tell you why it's your then the hamster wheel in my head gets going, right? Which is, so sometimes it's a an inward place, sometimes it's an outward place, but either one. Um, you've mentioned so many strategies so far that you use to get out of that hole. Um, 
I would just love to know what other strategies do you have to help you get out of that hole that you personally use to get out of that hole, whether you're in it physically because of your back or emotionally because you're on an anxiety spiral? Well, I mean, the two are always connected, right? Our physical, know, our emotional, our spiritual, like they're all connected. <laughs> all goes together. Yeah. And we try and separate them out a lot of times and heal from the outside in, but usually it's inside out that has to work. And so a lot of the work I do is um, McKenna Brown, my Wonder Woman journal is her whole thing. She has this cute little journal, but she says, you know, the journaling is the bridge between your mind and your heart. Mm-hmm. And I love that. And so I journal a lot, but I don't like to journal. It makes Mm. me frustrated. I'm not, I don't have a passion for journaling. So a lot of times I will just record my own voice talking and just express myself because it's easier to talk than to write for me. Nice. So, and at first I hated that. I listened back to my voice and I would just criticize it. So I had to learn to become again, an observer of myself. That's Mm. very hard to do when you have anxiety because you're looking for the threats, you're assessing for it. But, um, so I'll record my voice. Um, music is huge for me. I'm a piano player. And so I listen to music or I meditate to music or I play the piano. Classical is beautiful for that because it's very um, rigid and specific. And so I can get lost in the rhythm of something or the louds and the softs. And again, that's a release creating, like I mentioned, is a release for me. So finding those things that allow you to become more of an observer versus an emotional self and to release the things without judgment is so big. So creating things, music, meditation, journaling, and then I'm an avid reader and I don't read the inspirational stuff as much as I should. I have a stack of books that is on my nightstand that I need to read because they're either guests coming on the podcast or things that I have felt divine nudges that, Hey, you need this in your life. And they're still on my nightstand. (laughs) And I have read four fiction books in the last couple of weeks. So Perfect. You know. Well, maybe you read just the right amount of inspirational books. <laughs> maybe, I don't know, but it helps calm down my brain and allows me to explore emotions and experience in a fictional way that is healthy, right? So I feel like I know so much more about human human interaction and psychology just because authors are so incredible incredibly brilliant and they use their own life experience to create these magical worlds and so I read a lot it slows down my brain um and then exercise and, and as you mentioned healthy eating as much as I hate it because I am a bring on the sugar when I'm stressed kind of a girl healthy eating is everything it, it really is such a huge component to feeling healthy and I would say with the back being down, that's the hardest part. I've had to stop exercising mm. and I'm drawn to the sugar like no other because I'm unhappy. And so it is a, a true addiction for me that I'm always fighting that darn sugar. That it darn really is a thing. Sugar. Mm. And what it does to our bodies, it's just a tremendous thing. My our, my previous podcast, as you know, was with Nayema Black from our same uh, Lighthouse mm-hmm. Collective community and Kathy Heller's Made to Do This World. And um, we talked a lot about healthy eating and she is just such a light spirit about, oh, I am not suffering to eat well. She has so many great and wonderful recipes. Um, but even then, sometimes I am prone to, <laughs> I love graham cracker ice cream. have to tell oh. you, I love graham cracker ice cream. Right now I'm at the Reese's I'm gluten-free, right? So I have a gluten sensitivity. Reese's peanut butter cups came out with a pretzel one and the pretzels are gluten-free. And so every time I'm in the aisle, I'm like, oh, because anything I couldn't have before, but I can have now. It's like, you're like, I'm all in. Yeah. Like Oreos came out with gluten-free Oreos. Do you know how horrible that's been for me? It's my favorite cookie of all time. And for, you know, 15 years, I couldn't eat them. Now they have them. And so now it's like a desperation thing. I couldn't have them for 15 years. Yeah, I have to hide them from myself. It's bad. Right. I, I totally hear you. I also, I wanted to touch about one other thing you said a while ago. I'm trying to remember these nuggets as we're going along in our conversation. You talk about this vision that we have for ourselves, you know, living this vision that you really have for yourselves. And you and I had, it sounds like somewhat similar journeys. I had this journey as a child where the woman that I am today is very different, so to speak, than the woman that I was before or the child that I was. Or you could say, alternatively, I've come home to the woman that I always really was as a Mm -hmm. child. 
and it's it's like it was like a lion roaring in a cage throughout my childhood something that needed to get out this vision of happiness and joy and putting goodness into the world while still being able to acknowledge and honor the heaviness that really does exist in a world where all emotions are welcome Mm -hmm. in a judgment-free space. But it took a long time, like a couple of decades, to transition from something I sort of knew as a 10, 12-year-old girl but couldn't put words to but can now live fully as an adult mm-hmm. and how health and mindset play into that journey because we can begin to believe is this vision I have of myself just something totally made up mm-hmm. like I've just made it up it's not really real I really am the overdramatic, emotional, too much, blah, 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 that the world has labeled me as, and I should learn to tamp it down. And I tried for about a decade mm-hmm. to tamp Shannon down. It did not go well for anybody. <laughs> that transition for you from trying to, you know, this person that you were to letting yourself fully, fully live in all of your glory. Goodness, I think I'm still learning to fully let myself live in all my glory. Mm. You know, I, I'll drive along. One of the tools, this is such a goofy one, but it's helped me so much is understanding the Enneagram. I don't know if you know anything about the Enneagram. Too. Yes, yeah, so fabulous. Right. And so there was something about, I have taken so many personality tests over the years and, you know, working in a corporate world, they're always making you take the random tests so they can figure out how to put the teams together and how we interact and respect each other. And then nobody does. It's almost like, <laughs> creating an arsenal against each other. I think a lot of times in corporate environments, like, Oh, I know what will hurt you. Here you go. Boom. But, um, <laughs> so I've taken so many. And one of the things I learned is a, I was like, I, you can't label this girl. There's no label. I, every time I take it, I'm as something different. I also learned I could manipulate the test to get what I wanted. So I don't know what that says about me, but I could <laughs> manipulate the test and get the answer I wanted to get the team I wanted or whatever. And so I would do that. Um, but the Enneagram, has to do with the desire of your heart. That's kind of where you figure out your core. Mm-hmm. And so it's resonated the most with me and I am an Enneagram three. So I'm a bit of a chameleon and I like to be out there. I want to know I have a purpose and that I'm serving the world and changing the world. And there was one day I was driving my bike. I take my son to school on our bike every day and I'm driving home. It's like the best thoughts happen on the bike rides and in the showers. Showers are magical. Right. But um, I'm riding home and I'm thinking, so what? So you feel comfortable in this place, even though it scares the heck out of you. Every time I hit the live button on Instagram and nobody shows up or right before a podcast, they get all the anxiety, even though it scares the heck out of me when I'm here, it feels so right. And so Mm. complete. And I think, is that wrong to feel that way? You know, people criticize me for that. I remember one time I had a mic and I was doing, I was actually, it was for a nonprofit agency and we were doing an auction and I was running the mic. And when I came down, the owner's husband says, well, somebody likes the microphone. And he said it so negatively. And of course I spun like, oh shoot, did I overdo it? Did I do too much? Did I have tampered it down? Blah, 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 blah. All the intruding thoughts popped up. And I think back on that moment a lot. I think, no, that means I rocked it. I rocked them. Totally and, rocked it. You know, yeah. and he he was noticing and it made him feel weird because I think his wife was supposed to be the star, but guess what? She wasn't there. So I stepped up and that's one of the things I'm good at. So I think, because mm. we'll keep uncovering new layers and new pieces of ourselves that we hid away, that we thought we should cover up. And as we peel those layers off of us, we have to learn the self-acceptance again each time with each new layer. And it feels raw, just like when a layer of skin comes off, it feels kind of uncomfortable and raw, but it's beautiful and it creates the truest version of ourselves. So I think I'm still definitely working on it and I'm still learning. And I, I don't know, so many times when I fully let myself emerge, people criticize it so quickly that I hide it back up, right? So I think I'm definitely learning, but what I do know is when we want to fully step into ourselves, the best way to do it is to have a purpose. Mm-hmm. If we have a calling or we have a purpose or we have a quest, right? Whatever that is, it helps us 
not care what the naysayers say. Right. Because it doesn't matter because our purpose is greater. Right. And so for me, being able to use my voice to tell people, like you said, it doesn't matter who they are, or where they've been or what trauma they've had. Their most authentic self is their most beautiful self. Mm. And every day as I step into that and I create a safe space for them to step into that, my purpose is realized and I see them realizing their purpose and we're creating beautiful community together. Gosh, darn it. I don't care what anyone says anymore because that, that magic, it fills my soul. Absolutely. Yeah. So I feel I, the same in our community when I, you know, I think about moments where I get uncomfortable, where I'm getting pushed outside of my comfort zone as I build my business. And when I stop and I think about that woman that I was and that woman that I know is out there who is a wife and a mom and a worker and a community volunteer, and she's got diabetes or fibromyalgia or celiac or rheumatoid arthritis and We have a whole new community of COVID-19 long haulers to welcome to the chronic condition community, right? She has one of those things and she she shows up every day. Mm -hmm. And and some days are great. And a lot of days she's beating herself up quietly in her head and she can sort of laugh about a girlfriend with about it from time to time, but really be honest about it. She keeps it all sort of in. And then she has these glimmer moments where she does feel like she's rocking it. And then there's that side comment. And sometimes the side comment is from someone outside, like the guy who said to you, well, you must Mm -hmm. really like someone really likes the mic. And sometimes the side comment is from that negative Millie inside my own head. And I quick, 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 pack myself back up and live in that little box. And I think about her and I think about what would I do for her? Bring it on. I'd be willing to do anything for her to have those moments of just feeling connected to her heart and knowing that all of her matters, her life matters, her story matters, her dreams matter. I had given up on my dreams because physically I wasn't going to be able to accomplish them. So it would just be better if I gave up on them. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. I think it's one of the great gifts that people like you and I and women who know darkness, mm-hmm. it is one of my great gifts is to find and cultivate and nourish joy and beauty and peaceful moments because I know what the shit looks and feels like. I know mm-hmm. what it looks and feels like intimately. Mm-hmm. And so I don't, I don't want to miss the moments of joy and I don't want to miss those moments of beauty. And so I make a point of making sure that I've got the good stuff as well. And that's uh, why I let myself be empty for this weekend because I knew I wanted to fully breathe into this moment. Yeah. I did a little too much breathing in, <laughs> <laughs> but, but like you said, when you know the bad, that good, you've got to grab it and mm-hmm. just fully be in it because that is that, I mean, those are the moments that in 20 years I want to remember. Right. Those are the things I want to have fully been in. Right. Well, because the dark will bring you in no matter what. You get it, to fully be in that. Right. The dark is there. It is, <laughs> it is there and it's a choice all the time. Um, you know, and it's one of those, you know, not to keep talking, but you mentioned earlier, <laughs> you mentioned earlier about the negativity, particularly when we're physically down or mentally down, or particularly when we're in bed and we're looking for demonstrable evidence. And it's one of the tools that I use for me personally and share with my clients all the time. We're going to create a bank of demonstrable evidence of the joy and the beauty and the strength in your life so that when the chips are down and those voices are trying to let me tell you all the reasons why you're not enough, I at least have a piece of paper. I have a vision board. I have a file in my photos that are my demonstrable evidence of strength and joy in my life. So I have a variety of places I can go and go, yeah, I hear you. I hear you voice out there. But I also have this really factual demonstrable evidence of the goodness in my life too. And it feels, and it's authentic. It's not fake. It's not, oh yeah, but there's good stuff too. Yeah, not that fake. Yeah, no. but, uh, but others have it worse than me. Um, no. 
I hate that. I hate that. <laughs> but it, no, that actually, it's funny you say that because that was in my mind. I kept going back to bringing that up and I never did. So I'm glad that you're teaching them that because I was like, they need, because there is that. So you talked about feeling crazy or whatnot. And one of the things that I've been, I have been in a low right now and it's been very hard to crawl back up and I can feel all the strong and capable stuff slowing down because of me, not because of what the message or anything, it's my struggle. And so I'm like, you know, now I'm trying to build back up and reset my heart and my mind and uh, all the things. Anyway, it's a, it's a journey always. Um, but as I'm feeling it, like you said, feeling that joy and the goodness and all the things start to fill my heart again and all, all of it's coming back. One of the things that I've been really, I don't know, like I'm religious, so I just call it God, mm-hmm. but sure. like I have had these memories pop up for mm-hmm. me. I just felt so delusional because in my mind, I don't want to, This, I want to be Kathy Heller, Rachel Hollis, like that's where I'm headed in my mind. And I started like, are you delusional? Mm. Are you a little old for this? Are you a little, you know, all the things like, really, really, you think you can do this? And it was all the, the negative was coming up. And it was the weirdest thing. All these memories started popping up of me from the time I was like six years old, clear through my teenage years, clear through my, where I would have the weirdest thoughts of when you're famous, you will do this and this and this. When you're famous, you want to be aware of this and this and this. When you're famous, these are some fears. So how are you going to handle it? And I thought, those aren't typical thoughts that people have. I feel, and it's not evidence of me being delusional. It's evidence of this is what I have known my whole life, whether Mm -hmm. I was aware of it or not, that I needed to do. Mm -hmm. And I had divine whisperings my entire life prepping me Mm -hmm. for it. So... And that little girl totally gave you permission to be famous because that little girl was providing you information. Yes. Right. And then yes. it's like, hmm. but you know, what's interesting is I became a teenager and insecure because I always want to be a singer. I thought I was going to be a singer, but um, as I grew up, I'd start to say, well, I don't want to be on front of the stage. I just want to be a backup singer. I just right, want to be right. support. Mm. Like I literally tampered my dreams <sighs> because I could see the people's reaction. And so I said, well, I just want to be a backup singer. I know I'm good enough for that. I'm very good at harmony. I'm very good at harmony. I'm very good at harmony. I'm great. I don't no. need the spotlight. Right, right. I don't need it. I don't yeah. like it, but I don't need it. So, back right, so no dream tamping here. We are going to let our dreams flourish and give ourselves permission to step fully into them. But like you said, it's so interesting because if you've done any mindset work at all and then you couple it with something out of your control, Mm -hmm. such as an autoimmune disease or severe trauma that hasn't been addressed or these things that come like, you know, PTSD, I can tell you from having family members with PTSD, you don't know all your triggers. And so you could be going along with life and all of a sudden you're triggered (laughs) and you're like, what happened? My whole life just blew up and I don't even know why, you know, so the unaddressed trauma or different things. When you've done mindset work, you can quickly fall into what you were saying earlier, this place where you're like, I'm just not doing enough mindset work. And then you put yourself in a box even quicker and you like put a lock pad on it. Like nobody come in here. I haven't figured it out yet. Let me figure it out inside the box and then I'll pop out again. And it that can be, you know, the biggest thing we can do if we're dealing with any kind of a long-term thing mm-hmm. and you have mindset is remember that you cannot control everything. Right. You just can't. We cannot control everything and we can control our thoughts, but we can't usually control our first thought. Mm-hmm. We can control our second thought. So when that first thought pops up, we have to say, okay, hello, I see you, but what, what am I going to do with you? And if we just allow the first thought to be the ruler and believe that, see, I'm hopeless because this just came up for me, then mm-hmm. that's not going to work out. Cause I can tell you when you're in depression, when you're anxiety, when you're in bedridden because of a physical ailment, your mind, it is like a prison. This is a dark day and it's going and going and going. And 95% of it has been seeking evidence that's negative. I know for me in these dark spots, I mean, I'm a motivational speaker. I have a podcast. I have a community. I have all these things. And a lot of times when I'm in the dark spots, like, who are you to do this? Mm. Who do you think you are? Really? And like you said, you're crazy. You think this is going to become something? You are crazy. Everyone else is looking around at you like, 
Well, she's delusional. (laughs) They're only cheering you on to your face, Bridget. Like these are the thoughts that they're only supporting you because they kind of like you. I can tell you, I have a free class every month on thoughts, actually. Mindset and thoughts. Love it. And I read for them usually my first thought before my first class that I taught like this. And it's like, nobody likes you. You have nothing of value to say. They're only coming because they're nice. (laughs) And one of my cute friends attended a while ago and I, and then I share with them how I rewrite that thought. My life has meaning and value and you do have lessons to teach and things to open up. And your greatest asset is that you love. And when you love and teach these things, lives can be changed. So I rewrote the thought. So I share for them both sides of it, but I had the cutest friend. She's like, no, no, I just showed up. Cause I like you. Like people are people, they're human and we have to be our own advocate, but we have to have to have to understand that physical ailment and spiritual ailment and these things, they wreak havoc with mindset. And so if I have a good friend going through serious trauma and she said, my husband keeps telling me your mindset's not right. And I said, no, he is wrong. You're going through real trauma, real trauma. This is not something mindset can fix. Mm -hmm. So if you know about mindset, if you've done that work, if you've done some of that work, don't let your mindset tell you you're broken because we let, we let that happen a lot. And it's not, it's not fair, you know, to ourselves. And I, I may have a chronic condition that I have lived with my whole life and I will live with my whole life. And I am so not broken. And Mm -hmm. I can feel that at my, at the bottom of my soul And it's taken a lot of work to get there. And if I could sprinkle that like fairy dust on the women that I know and love and work with who also have chronic conditions, who still feel broken, oh, I'd be throwing that fairy dust around like water. Tell my listeners a little bit about you have your Awake community Mm -hmm. and you have your podcast. So share a little bit about that. Okay. My work is, I always say I'm on the outside looking in. I've never felt like I fit in anywhere. And so I realized I could be a voice for those who feel like they don't fit, which I think is like most of us. But maybe I'm wrong on that, but I think it's most of us. I think very few of us feel totally with it together. And like we have our people, most women look at other people who have quote unquote tribes and wish they had one. Right. Mm -hmm. So like my group, I think is misfits. And I say that with all the love in my heart, we are authentic and real. We talk about real life. There's usually a lot of tears and then some goofing off. So living awake is instead of allowing the world to influence you or families or cultures or whatever, it's being intentional with your own life. It's living awake and choosing that every day. Like I said, we talk about who we are, where we're going, how to get there. There's always an acknowledgement of the divine part of ourselves, the physical part of ourselves. Because we're we're not just one dimensional. We are so beautiful and dimensional. So the podcast is called The Strong and Capable. We talk about what that looks like. What is strong and capable? How do we say yes to life? And We've done everything from talk about mental health was last month. That was hard. It was a little bit triggering. This month, like I said, is heroes and villains. We talk about imposter syndrome and and giving and saying yes. And that a lot of times saying no is actually saying yes to what you want. Mm -hmm. So we just talk about real life. It's very authentic. I repeat myself way too much. I say yes, yes, yes a lot. (laughs) Like when I'm editing, sometimes I drive myself crazy, but it's real. Mm -hmm. And um I love, I love the strong and capable women because they really, like I mentioned, they're my heroes. Mm -hmm. They are my heroes because they are saying, I want to be awake. I want to be authentic. And there are so few humans Mm -hmm. out there that are choosing fully to do that, that they are, I feel like they're trendsetters, they're rule breakers. They're like the true rebels of the world. They're the ones we need. And I feel like the future is made up of those kind of people. So that's what I just love. We are both, um, I feel the same way about my community. They are my heroes. Oof, just my heroes. They show up day in and day out and sort of for the for many of them quietly mm-hmm. yet valiantly. Yes. You to show up in their life day in and day out and manage both the physical logistics, family, work, community involvement, their heart, their own soul seeking, their own self-love. Mm-hmm. It's just such an amazing journey. So tell my listeners all the places where they can go find you because they should. 
<laughs> Thank you for that. Um, Instagram is Brigitte, B-R-I-G-E-T-T-E dot Heller. And Facebook is the Strong and Capable. It's a free group. The Weight Community, you can sign up for on my website, www.thestrongandcapable.com. And can I just tell your listeners, I just keep having this thought and I try and follow my thoughts and I hope I'm respecting your time, of course. Um, a few months ago, we had the worst day of our family history ever. Mm. It was full meltdown. I have PTSD, OCD, autism spectrum disorder, celiac disease, you name it. Our family is a beautiful mix of fun. And it was what we dubbed the Heller worst day of our existence, of our family, 20 years, worst day. People were yelling, crying, threatening to leave the house. At one point, I had a child drop the F-bomb and yell, and I swear to, because we don't swear <laughs> in our house. Like it was, and I laugh about it now, but it was not as it was funny, not in, funny the in the moment. Yes. <laughs> you know, it was, My house is a lot like that too, yep. <laughs> There was a lot going on and all basically all the gloves of all the traumas and all the things came off in one night, mm. even though we do counseling and we do all these things, right? Because that's what, I mean, I'm a huge advocate of that. So I woke up the next morning and just, I woke up with tears running down my eyes and I thought, I, how do I go out into the world and say, I see you if you're broken and I love you and you don't have to be broken. Like, how do I go out and do that? Like, don't, you don't have to feel broken because broken is beautiful. Like, how do I go out and give this message? How do I, and, and then more importantly than that, no offense to those who are in my world, <laughs> I failed my family. Like my mm. kids are destroyed and I have messed up this whole motherhood thing and this whole, like, who am I to say I have anything together at all? I am so broken. I'm so broken and tears. I couldn't even get out of bed. It was so, so completely broken. And I call them divine downloads. Those moments where you get thoughts, right. That are just beyond you and you know it. And we all have them. I don't have them all the time, but we all have them. And in that moment, I thought, Bridget, that you love glitter. And I do. Anyone who knows me knows it. You love glitter and it is the most broken substance on earth. And because it's so broken, it shines more because of it. I know you mentioned that your women are heroes who are struggling every day and they probably feel broken every day. And I just hope they know that because they're broken and because they're authentic and they're showing up and they're coming to your group and they're doing those things, they shine brighter than any other perfectly put together surface. Mm -hmm. I mean, so I'm a designer. True. Real gold does not shine as much as glitter. <laughs> glitter is the magic of every event. Of, it is the secret sauce. It is. It's the secret sauce. So if you are broken and you feel it, just know that means your potential to shine eclipses anything else out there. Mm. It really does. I just love that. Well, Brigitte, thank you so, so much for taking the time to come share your wisdom, your heart, your generosity with my community. You are definitely a glittering gem in this world. And so thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you so much for having me on here. I really appreciate it. And it's an honor to serve your community and you today. Thank you. Was she fabulous or what? So many great gems in today's episode but here are a few quick takeaways. One, you have power to change your thoughts and rewrite your life. Two, the moment you say, don't need that, I'm good, and let it go is often the moment you get the thing you are seeking. Three, true strength is knowing when to push, when to pull, when to keep going, when to rest. Four, you aren't really serving or helping the people you love when you throw away or set aside your own self-care tool belt. Five, boundaries are a critical tool in the self-care tool belt. Six, life is not lived in the extremes, it's lived in the middle. Seven, you have so much knowledge within you. It's less about learning new tools and more about putting those tools you have into action. Eight, healing comes from the inside out. Nine, journaling is the bridge between your mind and your heart. Ten, it really is okay to rock it. Eleven, your most authentic self is your most beautiful self. And of course, number 12, glitter shines brighter than gold because it is broken. And as always, just a friendly reminder, nothing on this program from myself or any of my guests is intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any health conditions. And any personal medical advice should be received directly from your own personal medical team. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am so happy to be back and so happy that you were here with me. 
Can I ask you one more favor? If you heard something on today's podcast that just really resonated with you or really made you smile or lifted your spirits or a practical tip that you're gonna take with you, will you do me a favor and drop a comment in Apple Podcast? Because that's how more women can find Finally and Happy. Or better yet, take a screenshot and post it on your favorite social media, Instagram or Facebook and tag me and I'll tag you back. You can follow me on Instagram at Finally and Happy, or you can come hang out with me some more in my free and private Facebook group. And you can get there by going to bit.ly backslash Finally and Happy group. But if Facebook isn't your jam, but you want to keep posted on upcoming workshops and free offerings, you can just join my email list at bit.ly backslash Finally and Happy email list super simple. All of that info is in the show notes. And so until we connect next, be well, and please be kind to you today.